Hello and welcome to YHTV's Magical Medical Tour. This is episode 34. I'm Christina Suzama, and with me is our wonderful medical guide, Dr. Glenn Woolman. Hello, Glenn. Hello, Glenn. <laughs> Are you out there in cyberspace? Can you hear me? I can now. <laughs> no, that's good. You know, I, I'm really happy that we named it Magical Medical Tour uh, because it, it does seem magical. When I tell it to people and I'm talking about the show to different people, there's always pretty good reactions, especially from the crowd of people that went through kind of the Beatles era. So, <laughs> so they can recognize it from that point of view. But a lot of people seem to uh, really uh, vibrate with the name. And speaking of those people, greetings, everyone, and welcome to Magical Medical Tour. Dr. Glenn Wallman, I will be your guide along with Christina as we explore each week another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy searching for ways toward optimal health. And we're going to do that today. We have a special guest with us today uh, who has been on Trinity of Life, in fact. Uh, you've Yay. interviewed him before. How many people get to do? This is like a double header or it's a Quinella or yeah. something like that. <laughs> yeah, we'll just ping pong him back and forth. How's yeah. that? I want him this week. No, you can have him. No, I <laughs> Yeah, well, the pressure's on for me to actually ask questions that won't be uh, on the other. So uh, we're interviewing uh, Dr. Nicholas Bitts today. He is a naturopathic physician, and he has, as we said, has uh, spoken on Trinity of Life to a great audience who have been, uh, uh, he's uh, helped them in many ways, and there's great reaction. So we felt it would be a good idea to approach it from a magical medical tour point of view, and that fits in with uh, what we do, trying to explore different ways of health and healing to give people information for their own health care plans, but also to um, to let people know that there are many types of programs out there that people can get involved in if they have any interest in being a healer. So I think without further ado, I would like to, I don't have to introduce him to you or to most of your audience, <laughs> but to some of the audience that may watch just Magical Medical, uh, Dr. Nicholas Bitts. Welcome, Nick. Greetings. Thank you for having me on today. <laughs> Hello, Nick. Welcome back <laughs> to another quadrant <laughs> of YHTV. <laughs> yeah, this is a, a, a quadrant. So, Nick, as the uh, medical guide, what I like to do is uh, sort of give everyone a plan as to where we may be going today. And uh, I would like to start out just a little bit with your journey of how you became a healer, what interested you. I know some of this is on Trinity of Life, and I would refer to people to uh, see your episode. Uh, so we'll spend a little time on your journey, and then I want to spend a lot of time talking about what naturopathy actually is, what's the training you go through, uh, and what people will learn if they go to a naturopathic doctor and why they should go to a naturopathic doctor and a number of other things. And, and maybe we could have some discussions a little bit about the environment and supplements and uh, different ways of looking at healing from a Western point of view and uh, 
I guess naturopathy is somewhat Western also in a way, uh, but we'll find that out today. How's that sound to you? Perfect. Perfect? Yeah. So I guess uh, just a little bit about my background, um, you know, as, as some of you may know, I'm a naturopathic doctor. I specialize in integrative medicine. Um, you know, I, I really do blend uh, the best of conventional medicines with the best of natural medicines. Um, I am an expert in gastrointestinal disorders, Ayurvedic medicine, and dietary supplements, um, and have spoken at great length with uh, Christina uh, about environmental medicine, which is one of my passions and loves clinically. Um, I think, you know, my journey really began uh, when I was probably 12 years old. I can pinpoint one episode, one uh, event in particular that really led me on the path that I'm on today. And uh, it all started when I fell out of a tree. Um, I was, you know, 12 years old. When you're that age, you do not think that you can have any problems uh, with your health. You think that you're going to live forever. Um, at that point, um, you know, I, I really uh, I got a taste of my mortality, uh, for lack of a better term. And I, I really understood that at that point that um, I was uh, prone to disease and that I could actually have health problems. Um, you know, I was actually paralyzed for about five minutes lost all filling in my limbs. Um, you know, I did regain all of that, fortunately, but it was through a long, very long process of Ayurveda, uh, acupuncture, diet, and really just a lot of self-healing. Um, you know, I really was on the path to get my traditional uh, medical degree uh, when I was interviewing for, uh, for various schools around the country. Uh, I was up at University of Washington up in Seattle, uh, interviewing for their medical program up there, and actually stumbled upon Bastyr University, um, which is one of five naturopathic medical schools in the U.S. Um, and I didn't even really even know that naturopathic medicine was an option. I had no idea, um, but I knew that you know immediately that that it was something that I was interested in. You know, I'd always had followed Andrew Weil, um, had really. Uh, gotten into herbal medicines, gotten into diet therapies um, and such. And so I knew that it was within the realm of possibility for me. And so I actually just kept going down that path. Um, you know, of course, my family was a little bit skeptical. Friends were very skeptical. A lot of my mentors were very skeptical. But I think I knew in the bottom of my heart that I really wanted to study naturopathic medicine because it really is a nice, perfect blending of the conventional wisdom with a lot of that old traditional wisdom. And it brings those two together very um, fluidly, um, I think. And, and I think it really is what's needed in today's healthcare system. Um, so hopefully we can, we can touch upon uh, a little of that today. Yeah, I'd like to. Uh, I would like to stay on that uh... 12-year-old falling out of a tree process. Did you uh, say that at that time, in order to be healed, you did have Ayurvedic medicine and a number of other medicines at that time? Yeah, I, I, I really was forced to, you know, I had to seek out all the alternatives. I was going to the traditional MDs, uh, getting the imaging of my spine, my low back, and everybody told me that everything was normal. Um, and, and they said, well, I don't know what's going on. This is a head scratcher. You shouldn't be in pain. You should be recovering. This shouldn't be an issue. Um, but I was in pain every day, you know, and if I went for a run or if I played basketball or I did anything active, uh, it would really aggravate my whole 
problem. And so really I had no other choice. Um, and as I've talked about before with Christina, I was fortunate that my mom really kind of opened the door and said, you know, here are some alternatives. Let's start on some acupuncture. Let's start working with your diet. Um, and let's really, you know, let's do adjustments. Let's work with chiropractic medicine. Um, let's start looking at your body type, all of these things. And little by little, I started seeing improvement. And I started to understand that really my healthcare journey was really in my hands and that other people could not help me. It really was about me taking a, a proactive role in my own healthcare. Yeah, it's interesting that I, I'm trying to think of all the parents that I grew up with, not just mine, but all of my friends. And I don't think any other, any of them ever maybe even knew the word Ayurvedic at that point. <laughs> You're so right. it's, it's fascinating that you had that opportunity and a mother that, that was so open like that. I, yeah, I definitely agree, you know, and I, I, I was fortunate in, in middle school to have a, a hippie teacher who, uh, who drove a VW bus um, and, uh, you know, really knew the virtues of Buddhist meditation. And I actually used to do a lot of traveling with him, um, and he actually taught me to meditate at a very young age as well. Um, and so I think it was, you know, it's a lot of things that just happened to come together um, at the perfect time. And I, uh, you know, the medicine part, the self-healing part, the Buddhist part, the spirituality piece, they all kind of came together uh, very nicely for me. Yeah, that's, that is pretty amazing. Uh, we all need hippie teachers. Probably <laughs> <laughs> help most of us it's for true. many years. Um, so now you went into naturopathic uh, medicine, and I'd like to have you tell me and our audience a little bit about the the training that goes into that and uh, how you believe that it's different say than conventional western medical training what what are the things that are added and different that you go through in your training how long is it give us a whole detail well every naturopathic medical school in the u.s is a four-year postgraduate medical school degree um, so you you are required to get a bachelor's uh, most naturopathic doctors have very eclectic backgrounds they're not necessarily pre-med majors um, which i think is a fortunate thing you don't have all of these uh, little science, science gurus running through the naturopathic medical schools. It's people that have, um, you know, degrees in in law, people that have degrees in English, people that have degrees in business. Very um, seemingly unrelated fields of medicine, um, but I think that really kind of broadens the practitioner, in my opinion. Um, so you have it's a really it's a four year comprehensive medical training. Uh, we do get the uh, the traditional conventional medical sciences. We do have the anatomies, the physiologies, the biochemistries, the pharmacologies. We're getting all of that. Uh, we're also getting you know the clinical and physical diagnosis piece, uh, diagnostic imaging. Um, as I mentioned, the pharmacology piece. We're learning all, all the pharmaceutical drugs. Um, we do minor surgery. Um, and in, a, in addition to all of these conventional medical sciences, we're also doing naturopathic philosophy. Um, and we're doing all the things that really make naturopathic doctors unique. So we're working with clinical nutrition, botanical medicines, homeopathy, uh, physical therapies, um, you know, such as craniosacral therapy or chiropractic-like -like adjustments, 
um, different types of body work. Uh, we do learn uh, counseling skills. So it really is kind of a very well-rounded um, education from my standpoint. Um, you know, I don't think it's any one thing. I really think that the thing that differentiates naturopathic medical students from conventional medical students is our philosophy. Um, and you'll find that most naturopathic medical students tend to um, kind of walk their talk. And I found that, for instance, at Babasteria, you would walk into the cafeteria and everybody would be eating these, these whole food, organic, uh, home-cooked meals all the time. Um, and it really is just this enculturation of, of a healthy lifestyle um, that I think really separates us from a lot of the traditional MD students who I think are really just um, pushing to uh, excel in their studies and to be excellent doctors, but they aren't necessarily pushing to be an example of, of, of wholeness and wellness and health for their patients. Some of them are, but it's not uh, uh, in closely incorporated with their, their medical training. Yeah, I, I think I would tend to agree with that, although I, I'm seeing more and more of the Western uh, medical students getting into health more, probably from what they're seeing in the outside world. Do you have a, uh, I know in medical school, we usually have our first two years or more uh, of the sciences, as you mentioned, and then we go up onto the wards, and clinical areas. Do you have clinics in your school where people come there and you follow them over periods of time? Is that the same? Do you go to in the hospitals? Do, do you go on wards and see people that are being treated in a naturopathic manner? Yeah, absolutely. We, we actually have built into every naturopathic medical program, there's at least two, maybe three years of clinical internship. And so you go, you work with physicians in the area, you actually um, are working with patients one-on-one -on -one, um, and with other students um, to, to, yeah, treat patients from their first office call, their return office call, and you really get to see the progression of their health care. Um, we do have at Bastyr, for instance, we do have a Bastyr Center Health Clinic, which is in downtown Seattle. Plus, we have all of these uh, satellite clinics throughout uh, the greater uh, metro area. Um, you know, I did do rounds in hospitals with uh, MDs, with osteopathic doctors, um, with other NDs. Um, I did rounds at uh, cancer centers with naturopathic physicians that are working there. Um, and, you know, in addition to the clinical internship, um, a lot of NDs are starting to do residencies. Um, as it stands right now, residency is not mandatory um, as it is in conventional medical training, um, but more and more um, residencies are now available to, to NDs um, once they graduate. Um, so, for instance, I did my residency um, in Vail, Colorado, in an integrative uh, medical clinic there. What, uh, what other types of residencies might there be for someone? Well, you know... I would say overall, they tend to be very general. Um, I think that as NDs, we're trained as primary care physicians first and foremost. Um, and so we're, I would say that we're generalists. 
Um, I would say that by and large, most of them are generalist-typed residencies, but I would say that there's a growing number of specialty residencies that are available. So we do work closely with the Cancer Treatment Centers of America, um, and so you will see that the NDs um, are on staff there, plus there's always one, two, maybe three residents um, that are working there as well. Um, we do have residencies um, specifically in cardiology, um, specifically in dermatology, urology. So we're starting to find these these new kind of cutting edge specialty residencies. Um, but again, they're not a dime a dozen. Not every ND chooses to do that. And again, nor is it mandatory for every ND to do that. But it is, I think, in, it's, it's invaluable to, to work with somebody as soon as you graduate that can mentor you, that can teach you, um, you know, what works. You know, working with somebody that's been in the industry uh, for 10 years, you know, they teach you what works, not only from a business standpoint, how to run a clinic, but what works mm -hmm. with patients, what patients respond to best, um, what they have found to be successful and really just how they, they lead their life. Um, and so I've had several uh, mentors that I've worked with that have really been uh, quite amazing um, examples as, as, as what to aspire as, as a naturopathic physician myself. It's always good to have these uh, great professors that teach us. Uh, they are inspiring in many ways. And I, I think, I know that in medical school, it's many times this very inspiring professor, which which helps a person to make the choice of what specialty they want to go into. They didn't really have an idea and they still don't know, but they were so inspired by a professor and the way that they carried on uh, their life and took care of their patients and, and taught that it helped people to make those decisions. It's interesting that you bring up the Cancer Centers of America because uh, in our future, I'm planning on interviewing uh, a number of people that I have worked with at the cancer centers where I had a, a client that had a cancer and was treated at a cancer center. And I worked with the medical doctor and the naturopathic doctor. And it was wonderful to watch this process where they were getting conventional uh chemotherapy, although they were not in the normal conventional doses, they were in different types of doses, but then they had the naturopathic medications that they were also getting, which seemed to uh, augment the chemotherapeutic medications and also to keep down the side effects from them. So I, I have some experience with that, and I think that's a great thing. It's probably a great model for our future. I'm wondering, within the process of naturopathy, and again, I always relate to Western medicine first, we do a lot of, of things where we're doing evidence-based studies and we do scientific uh, controlled studies uh, to see, are we doing this right? Is there a better drug? Here's a new drug. What's, what's done in naturopathy to uh, see that the things that you're doing are in fact effective or is there something new uh, that's come around that we should test. How do you deal with that? Wow, I, that's a that's a great question, and I think it's a very large question as well. Um, I you know I think that there are, there are a wide variety of naturopathic doctors. Um, I think that practice you know they have very different personalities, very different styles, very different 
um, set of tools that they use clinically. I would say that a lot of them, um, and this seems to be increasing, they tend to want to practice medicine from an evidence-based standpoint. And so they want to make sure if they are giving out uh, the herb rhodiola for mood support, they want to make sure that they're giving out the specific extract uh, that's been used in studies at the specific dose that has been shown to be beneficial. There are... um, I would say uh, a number of NDs that that actually believe that um, it really doesn't matter what the science says because there really is not a lot of science on our type of medicine right now. Yes, it's growing, but really there's not enough to say whether or not a homeopathic medicine will actually work because you really can't do a a double-blind, placebo-controlled, well-designed, big study on homeopathy. You can't. It's impossible to do. And there are so many reasons why that um, is the case, unfortunately. But just because there's not studies doesn't mean that it doesn't work. And so I think that the gold standard from a naturopathic standpoint uh, really is uh, the clinical validity. Uh, does it work clinically? And I, you know, we have uh, very big online groups called Naturopathic Chat. Um, it's a Yahoo group. There are over, I think, 3,000, 4,000 members on it. Um, and what we're doing is we're sharing our clinical pearls with everybody. You know, so we're saying if, if a woman comes in with interstitial cystitis, uh, which is a very uh, hard to treat uh, bladder disorder, um, you know, we can say, here's our patient, and this is how she's presenting. This is what I'm starting to do. Does anybody else have any pearls or gems that they've they've gleamed over the years and they've found to be useful? And people will say, yeah, absolutely. You know, there's nothing in the literature on using N-acetylglucosamine, but I have found that, you know, for instance, 750 milligrams twice per day is the best thing you can do or using intravenous MSM is the best thing that you can do for this patient. And again, there may not be literature on this, but the, the, um, we're finding that, you know, we're communicating what works clinically. And so, you know, I, I, I communicate with my patients very clearly, you know, there are studies on this or there aren't studies on this. I have found this to be beneficial for 75% of my patients. It doesn't always work, but let's give it a shot for you. If it doesn't work, then obviously we're taking the wrong approach. You know, we really need to identify the root cause and come at it from a different angle. And so I think that that touches upon it a little bit, Glenn. It's, I think it's a very big question. Um, I, I'm, I'm thankful because I have a very scientific mind. I'm thankful that uh, there is more and more research coming out on natural remedies um, as we speak. Every year, there seems to be more and more going into this. Um, so I think that, you know, in the, in the course of the next several years, we're going to see that most NDs are going to take a more evidence-based approach because the research is available to them. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. You brought up interstitial cystitis, and we had a conversation with Dr. David Kumes in one of our earlier shows. He's a urologist, but he's also an African Sangoma, uh, a medicine man. And we discussed specifically interstitial cystitis. Uh, When you are taking care of someone, somebody comes to see you. So you, I'm assuming, sit down and do an intake or take a history. Do you do a physical exam? Do you run lab tests on a person? What kind of a workup does someone get from a naturopathic doctor 
specifically yourself, and maybe you could talk about if there are some differences, as you alluded to, different types of workups and how people, how naturopathic doctors come to a decision about an illness or uh, some type of a healing process that's necessary for your patient. Yes. Uh, you know, personally, I like to uh, make sure that my patient has a clear understanding about my philosophy, my background, and what I can do for them. So I always start my office visits with a brief introduction, um, especially talking about naturopathic medicine and the principles of naturopathic medicine so that people understand kind of what they're, what they're getting into. Um, it's be, a very foreign uh, can paradigm. Can I interrupt for you people. for a moment, Nick? Sure. Uh, and I want to continue that, but you mentioned the principles. So uh, just to remind you, maybe you can finish your process and then go over some of the principles with us a little bit. Sure. But yeah. Continue. So, you know, rather than working within the confines of an eight minute office visit, um, I really like to give patients uh, enough time to really tell me their true story so that I can understand them from a holistic um, uh, standpoint. So I really try to give patients 60 to 90 minutes uh, when I work with them. Um, which I think is is enough time for people really to open up, um, to tell me their story, and for me to start to create a little bit of a relationship with that patient. Um, for me, it's really all about the relationship that that is healing and that allows healing to occur. So, um, you know, rather than focusing on treating symptoms uh, with pharmaceutical drugs, um, I really try to identify the root cause. And so I'm really looking at, you know, what is going on? What is causing this symptom? The symptom's there, but I want to know what has led to uh, the, uh, the embodiment of that symptom in your body or your mind. And, um, you know, my goal is really to create these customized treatment protocols using natural therapies or conventional uh, therapies if need be. Um, I do, within the course of that 60 to 90 minute visit, I do a full physical examination. Um, it tends to be, in my opinion, more compre uh, comprehensive than you find in most uh, clinics, um, given that I'm doing a whole body physical exam. So I'm almost doing uh, a full body comprehensive uh, physical, uh, which most people aren't really accustomed to. Um, you know, if need be, I'm doing blood work. Um, I'm doing any kind of provocative testing, whether that be like food allergy testing or stool sampling or uh, saliva testing, looking at hormones, uh, whatever that may be for that patient. And then I'm really taking the time to sit down um, and to come to cons uh, a consensus with my patient to talk about, okay, here's what I see going on. Here's how I think we can actually overcome these obstacles. And together, let's create a treatment plan that you agree upon that, that, you, that is amendable to you that you can do um, in order to get there. And so I really have a large conversation with the patient about the treatment plan and about follow-up and expectations. You know, when should you expect to see improvement? You know, some people, they can see it uh, in the next day. Some people, it'll take several months. Um, we know that botanical medicines, um, they tend to be more food grade rather than a pharmaceutical. And so you need to use them uh, in larger doses for a larger amount of time in order to get the same clinical effect that you would with a pharmaceutical. And so, again, just really taking a moment to, to, to educate the patient um, 
and coming back to that idea of principles, um, it comes back to the word doctor. And doctor comes from the Latin root docere, and docere means to teach. And so that docere, the concept of teacher, really is one of the key principles of naturopathic medicine, that we really take the time to teach our patients about themselves, about their bodies, about health, and then just about this different paradigm um, that they need to uh, more or less embody in order to create whole, uh, health and wellness again for their life. Um, you know, the, I guess if we're going to talk about the principles, the first principle of naturopathic medicine is first do no harm. You know, every doctor takes the, the Hippocratic Oath, um, you know, again, in that is first do no harm. My intention is not to jump into pharmaceutical drugs, surgery, or to create more problems right off the bat. And so I'm using, uh, you know, if I use the analogy of a ladder, I'm starting at the lower rungs on the ladder. I'm not jumping to the higher high force uh, interventions right off the bat. We can get there eventually if need be. But initially, I'm going to start in the lower rungs and really just work with the diet, work with lifestyle, do some basic things and see if I can create some movement. Um, the second principle is what's called the vis medicatrix naturae, which is another bizarre Latin term. But the vis really uh, it just means the healing power of nature. And so it's akin to qi in Chinese medicine or prana in Ayurvedic medicine or, or yoga. Um, and so it's this kind of, uh, it's more of a, a Latin type uh, phenomenon. It's based in, um, in kind of nature cure, old naturopathic medical philosophy, in that you're really just allowing the body to heal itself through nature. And so the intent of every naturopathic doctor is to stimulate the body's healing response through the healing power of nature. And it seems very kind of esoteric and very philosophical, but I think once you start practicing, you really start to understand that the physician really is not doing anything for the patient. It really is nature. So, you know, if somebody has um, a large uh, cut on, the, on their arm, you know, I can't pull those together, mend those up, and then like force the body to actually heal that. Somehow, miraculously, the body will bring that together and heal it up over several days. All I need to do as a physician is to give the body the building blocks, you know, the vitamin C, the certain nutrients, um, et cetera, that can, that can really help to stimulate that, that body's reaction. And so the VIS is a very, um, I think it really separates us from from most other uh, philosophical systems and most other medical systems, this idea of the healing power of nature. And so first and foremost, I really try to honor that. Um, and I believe, you know, that the, the body has an incredible ability to heal itself if given the chance to do so. And so oftentimes my, my job as a doctor is really to get the person out of his or her own way and to let nature come in and really start the healing. Because I think that if you allow nature to do the work, uh, people will spontaneously move in the direction of health. And oftentimes it's just themselves that are in their way that are creating obstacles to health and that are disrupting the, the natural flow of nature and such. Um, so the third one really, as we've, I've kind of talked, I've talked about a little bit already, is um, identifying and treating the root cause. And so again, I'm not looking at the symptoms. I am identifying and treating the root cause of your symptoms, your disease. Um, 
And then again, that, that concept of docere, doctor's teacher. Um, and then we have two that are a little bit more, a little bit newer on the scene. They've actually evolved probably in the last 10 years. Um, the idea of prevention and the idea of wellness. Um, you know, again, very basic, but I think that um, naturopathic doctors are preventive specialists. We really are, you know, the, the, the whole saying that an ounce of prevention, uh, prevention is worth a pound of cure. You know, if, if you don't ever get to the point where you actually have a disease, then you've actually, uh, there's no need to treat it. You're going to save money. You're going to save uh, time and suffering, all of that. So uh, I'm really trying to look at all, your, all a person's risk factors to make sure that I can prevent them from actually uh, moving towards disease. And so I actually look at labs very differently than most conventional MDs because I'm looking at um, really where they're going. So even if somebody doesn't have, um, you know, thyroid levels outside of the levels of what's considered normal, it may be considered um, outside of what I consider to be normal. And so I might actually start looking at the thyroid function and actually start really making sure that I'm giving them the building blocks um, to build thyroid hormone to make sure that they're speaking their truth because the fifth chakra and the thyroid gland is all about speaking your truth um, and to really make sure that you're, you're really just fine-tuning that area of the body. Um, and so I'm preventing the onset of, uh, of any hypo-functioning later in life that may occur. Um, and then this idea of wellness is, you know, the absence of disease really is, uh, is not health. Health is much more, it's a continuum. And so I'm constantly trying to make sure that people are moving in the direction of optimal health. And so I try to give people the tools to be proactive in their healthcare so that they are um, not passive, you know, they're not um, disempowered, they're not apathetic, they're not relying on pharmaceutical drugs um, once they have problems, that they actually are taking their healthcare and their wellness um, into their own hands, and they're trying to be proactive in their healthcare. Oh, now I need to take a breath there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. Yes. Wow. You know what? What I didn't realize all this time, um, Nick, is that the the conventional medical world, like, is is so accepting of the naturopathic world. Because when you're saying that, you know, you were in hospitals and you were working side by side with doctors and things like that, that that I don't hear very much of, you know, um, you, usually I believe in the in the layman terms, we don't see that very often. And I don't know if it was because Seattle is a little bit ahead of most parts of the country that they're a little more liberal with things like that. They're open to to working with each other and seeing, you know, how to, the patient comes first. So, it's, you know, the holistic approach comes in. <clears throat> and, and as a naturopathic doctor, are you able to prescribe the conventional uh, antibiotics in medicine? Yeah, I think that, you know, you hit it right on the nose. I think that Seattle is very different than um, Los Angeles, where you and I are, Christina. Uh, it's, you know, we have, uh, as a naturopath, we have been licensed, uh, I believe, six, maybe seven years now in the state of California. Um, so it's relatively new. Um, mm -hmm. We have been licensed for a very long time in the Pacific Northwest. Ooh. My scope of practice um when I had uh, my license up in Washington State, was on par with me every medical doctor up there. 
Um, wow. So I actually pretty much could give out every pharmaceutical drug um, besides, you know, some of the hardcore pain medications, which I, I shouldn't be giving out anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, uh, in the state of California, my scope of practice is a little bit less, but it's growing. Um, I um, And it is on a state-by-state basis. And so everybody needs to pay attention to the scope of practice that their naturopathic doctor and their state can actually use. Mm. Um, in the state of California, we can prescribe pharmaceutical drugs that are natural. And so we do give out bioidentical hormones. We do work with thyroid uh, medications. Uh, We do work with antibiotics. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, if need be, um, I find that I clinically, I don't need them. Um, You know, for instance, if um, a child comes in with strep throat, um, the uh, conventional thinking would be you give that child an antibiotic immediately um, because of the sequelae and the potential uh, potential negative qu- consequences of that. Um, I have found clinically that that antibiotics aren't necessary. You can actually use herbal medicines and homeopathy to treat that child acutely. Um, and, and if they don't get well within one, two days, then I might move into antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, in Seattle, I think we are um, very well accepted up there. Um, a lot of NDs have hospital admittance rights. Um, you know, every doctor, every lay person really knows what a naturopathic doctor is. You come up to California, come down to California. And I would say that nine out of 10 people have no idea what a naturopathic doctor is. Mm. Um, and a lot of the conventional medical community doesn't yet either. I think that once they understand our training, um, and, and our intentions, our philosophy, I think they're a little bit more open, but even in California, I would say that, that most people are pretty guarded, um, about their, uh, about their medicine and their, their way of living. Um, so little by little, I think we're, we're kind of cracking the egg, cracking the nut, so to speak, but it's still, it's, it's a hard sell. And, you know, when I tell people I'm a naturopathic doctor, um, immediately people are, you're a natural what? You know, over and over and over. And so for me, it comes down to that whole docere, doctor's teacher. It really is just taking a step back, um, talking about a little bit about who I am, my training, um, and and what I do clinically. And then it's always interesting, too, to get into the history of medicine. And mm-hmm. you actually, if you look back in the 19, early 1900s, there were more naturopathic medical schools than there were conventional, quote unquote, conventional allopathic medical schools. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, um, sorry, that's my dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's been very interesting to to watch the evolution of medicine over the course of several years. And um, it, 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 things have changed. You know, I think that we're trying uh, to move into a new era of naturopathic medicine. And mm-hmm. I think in the next 10 years, we're going to see that new era of natural medicine. And I think that, um, well, just as an example, there's a new medical school, uh, an offshoot of Bastyr now in San Diego that's oh, opening wow. up um, uh, next month. And so we're starting to see, I think, this resurgence, this, this renewed interest in naturopathic medicine in the mm-hmm. U.S., which is really exciting from my standpoint. Mm, oh, I think from mine, too. <laughs> you know, because it, it is such because uh, usually if someone's dealing in acupuncture or herbology, et cetera, they don't have the license to be able to prescribe other medications. You see, Correct. whereas for you, Correct. you are dealing in a holistic world by the sounds of it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just given uh, myself personally and then, you know, who I work with, I actually currently work in an integrative practice um, mm-hmm. with uh, uh, an integrative MD, um, as well as an osteopathic physician, um, who both, uh, they're very accepting and very open to my type of medicine. So I mm-hmm. think that just kind of opens me up to their their world a little bit more, and it opens them up to my world a little bit more. And there's really this nice bridge between what we're doing clinically, which mm-hmm. is which is fun. Mm, oh yeah. Okay. Nick, yeah. when you talk about root cause analysis, uh, and you're doing your physical, I know when a traditional Asian medicine doctor is looking for a cause, they're looking at the tongue and pulse and a number of other things. And what does a naturopathic doctor use to look for a root cause analysis? Well, I think the medical history first and foremost, um, uh, physical exam secondarily, and then we have a whole route, uh, a whole, a whole, whole um, a, a whole toolkit. I think of 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 medical tests that we use. Um, it really depends um, on the naturopathic doctor. I would say that no two naturopathic doctors practice alike. You know, given my interest in Ayurvedic medicine and my training in Ayurvedic medicine, I do pulse diagnosis. I do face diagnosis. I look at the tongue. Um, you know, I'm doing a lot of the provocative blood work, you know, so I do food allergy panels, I do stool tests, I do saliva tests. Um, I'm starting to do some genetic testing as well. Um, and so it, it really is the whole gamut, you know, some naturopathic doctors, uh, prefer not to do any medical testing, whatever, whatsoever. And they, they rely only on the medical history. Um, others rely exclusively on doing blood work or these other provocative tests um, and revi- rely very little on the medical history. So for me, it's a combination of both, um, but I really do rely specifically on my Ayurvedic training for that um, because, it, because it works so well and I can really start to identify somebody's body type um, and kind of understand what's happening um, on an organ basis. So, so looking at their liver, or their kidneys, or their lungs and understanding how uh, all of that may be working together um, and what may be kind of, uh, you know, at, at the root of their deficiency or excess, so to speak. When I worked in emergency medicine, there were many times I would be able to either instantly or over a short period of time understand that this person that's come in with this issue, I can handle and send them on their way. And then there are others that I look at and say, this person, for example, has an appendicitis, they need to see a surgeon. So when you as a naturopathic doctor come to your patients, do you do the same thing and you say, this does fit into the realm of naturopathy or this person is going to need someone else in another realm? Yeah, and I you know, I try to as I mentioned before, I like to really give people a really good overview of naturopathic medicine. So they have an understanding and and we can really come to terms, am I the right practitioner for them? Are they the right patient for me? Um, you know, I've had several people that I have felt are not they're either too advanced or they need somebody who has a different skill set than me. I may not be the best trained physician for that person. Um, so for me, it really comes down to, you know, I, I really take the time to make sure before I see a patient, is this a good fit first and foremost? But I do agree that there are certain 
types of medicine, emergency medicine in particular, is one area that I immediately will just be like, all right, this is out of my realm of comfort. You need to go work with somebody that actually focuses on this every day, day in and day out, and they would know what to do with you. When you said uh, a moment ago, you said a patient may be too advanced. Are you speaking in terms of their knowledge base or are you talking in terms of a diseased state? Well, uh, their disease state specifically. Okay. Um, and, I, and, and yes, and thank you for pointing that out. It really, you know, I think if, if somebody comes to me with um, a condition that I've never seen and they need help immediately, um, I, I could definitely be brave enough to take them on. You know, I've treated a lot of chronic disease. I've treated successfully a lot of irresolvable health conditions. Um, but if somebody comes to me and it's not my field of expertise, um, you know, for instance, autism. Autism um, uh, is something that I'm learning to treat and I'm learning all about it, but it's such a grand, big field. Um, and I'm just now scratching the surface. I know a little bit of the research. I know a little bit about what works from a naturopathic standpoint and what from a conventional standpoint. But I don't think my understanding of autism in particular is something that I could step back and say, this is exactly what this patient needs at this time in order to get well in this moment. So at that point, I would refer to somebody who actually specializes in autism, for instance. Very nice. Uh, Let's talk about medicine for a moment, medications. I mean, in, in the Western world, we do put people on a lot of medications and they're on these medications for life. And I talk to uh, many healers that are not Western that are sometimes against that, but then they put people on supplements or other medications (laughs) for life. So is there a difference in naturopathy, being a naturopathic doctor? Do you put people on medications for life or supplements or uh, herbals and botanicals? Or do you just treat people for periods of time and then uh, take them off of things? Well, that's a good question. I, you know, there is a term in naturopathic medicine called green allopathy, which is essentially just saying, instead of this pharmaceutical drug, we're going to give you this bottle of pills of, of this botanical medicine or this high-dose vitamin in order to treat this disease. Um, and so, for instance, if somebody comes in with high cholesterol, uh, you know, the a tra- a traditional uh, approach would be, let's give that person a statin. And you have to be on the statin for the rest of your life. There's usually very little conversation about diet, exercise, and such. You come to a, a naturopathic doctor. Some naturopaths will just simply give you, for instance, red yeast rice, which is pretty much comparable to a statin pharmaceutical medication. Um, so that would be considered green allopathy. It's just substituting a pharmaceutical drug with a more green version of a pharmaceutical drug. Um, From my standpoint, um, it really comes to um, giving people what they need in the moment and and making sure that they don't need to rely on any one thing for the rest of their life. Um, And so I think that really is the value of naturopathic medicine in that we're really working with diet lifestyle first and foremost. And so once that's in place and people actually make those, those really key changes, I find that they don't need to be on a multivitamin every day. They don't need to take ginseng every day. Um, Again, yes, for a short period of time in order to move them in the direction of health and wellness, people often will need something as a crutch. 
But day in and day out, I try to make sure that my patients understand that they shouldn't be taking these things or relying on these things um, for the rest of their life. Um, there are exceptions to that rule. Um, for instance, um, I have a love of triphala. Um, triphala is, um, it's a Sanskrit, it's an Ayurvedic uh, uh, medicine. It's a Sanskrit word that means three fruits. And triphala is one of those um, very uh, bizarre, interesting medicines that actually, the benefits actually accrue over time. And so the longer that you take it, the, the greater the effects will get. And so triphala really targets digestive health first and foremost. Um, and so from an Ayurvedic and a naturopathic standpoint, digestion is the root of all health. Um, which is a whole nother conversation, which we can go into at a later date. Um, but digestion is the root of all health. And so triphala really is just targeting digestive health, promoting digestive health, um, toning your intestinal tract, giving you some really good nutrition. Um, it's doing all of these things. And again, the longer that you take it, the greater the effect is going to be. And so triphala is one of those things that I personally have taken for several years. Um, and I recommend to several of my patients that are open to it, to them taking it as well. It's interesting. Uh, yes, there's so much in this and we can have many more conversations. You talk about the statins and cholesterol. There are lifestyle changes that need to be uh, recognized and dealt with. Uh, and I work with a lot of people that don't want to take that statin, but are willing to take the red yeast rice, not realizing that it's the exact same chemical composition of the statin. Sometimes though, uh, they have, uh, there are different doses. Uh, when you take a Western medicine, you usually know that this pill that has 500 milligrams of penicillin, pen VK, is going to be that. Whereas if you're eating red yeast rice, you don't necessarily know that the uh, dose is going to be the same each time. How do you work with uh, people that in this country may just go to a, uh, a health food store and hear about a medication? They may hear, for example, in this talk today about triflora, and then they want to go out and find some somewhere, and they find it at, at a uh, regular market, and they start taking that. Uh, do you recommend that to people or do you are you against that? Where do you fall into that category? Well, not all supplements are created uh, equally. Um, you can walk into a mass market store and you can find a whole shelf, a whole array of dietary supplements and herbs. Um, but really, those products are designed to sell first and foremost. Um, so I often say that marketing is the primary and the primary or active ingredient in that in that product. Um, Very nice. And I, I I I actually I see that left and right. I think that there are exceptions. Um, fish oil is a product that you can buy um, at any mass market store, and it's going to be the same quality, more or less, that you're going to find um, at your doctor's office because fish oil is coming from the same place. Um, granted, there are different potencies of fish oil, but fish oil is fish oil is fish oil is fish oil. Um, you would do see that you know mass market products are here. Then you have health food products, which are a tier above it. Um, what I use clinically and what naturopaths use clinically are physician-only products. And so these are products made by doctors for doctors. And those are the products that I recommend for my patients specifically because I know that they work. Um, they're at the specific dose, again, using the specific extracts um, that are needed to exert a clinical effect. And so 
if somebody goes and they're they're wanting to use uh, coming back to ginseng, they may be using a, a very poor quality ginseng product, hoping to get that energetic boost that they've heard about. Um, but you need to have a specific amount of active ingredient, or it needs to be harvested from a specific area um, of uh, of either the U.S. or China. Um, in a very specific manner in order to make sure that it's the right type of plant. And so again, physician only physician grade uh, products really ensure this. And so I lean heavily on those type of products in my practice, which I consider more or less pharmaceutical grade. Um, and I do substitute freely as pharmaceutical drugs. Um, so hopefully that answered your question a little bit. Yeah, I think, uh, in, in terms of ginseng is a very good example because in my understanding of studying the actual uh, plant or the root, on one end of the root is the active ingredient, on the other end of the root is an antidote. And if the person that's trying to sell it and market it just grabs the root, grinds it up and puts it into a capsule, someone may end up getting the antidote and the ingredient and therefore they take it and get no effect and then go on to say, well, Ginseng really doesn't work for me. How does someone get a, a physician-grade uh, medication or supplement? Well, currently, you need to be working with a healthcare practitioner um, that is licensed um, and that understands these. So not all licensed uh, healthcare practitioners obviously would, would give these out clinically. It needs to be, have, it needs to be somebody who is well-versed in, um, in natural medicine and understands botanical medicines, uh, nutritional medicines, etc. Um, you can find a few of them online, but because these products really are higher force, um, I, I do caution people to be careful because it's not the products that you find at your typical store. Um, these products really do work and they're quite powerful. And you need to make sure that you're looking at any drug interactions, um, any interactions with foods or other supplements that you may be taking, um, as well as making sure that you're just taking them in the right way. Um, so, so really you can find a few of these physician only products online, but, um, I would highly recommend working with somebody who understands this so that they can actually guide you and give you a customized treatment protocol using these specific products. Good answer. <sighs> Christina, I see why, uh, we need to have many shows with Nick. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> There's a yes, lot of questions that come up. Uh, there is, there is. And I know that we can go on for a long, long time and days here. Um, and we, But we are coming up to the end of our hour. I mean, I, I'm loaded with questions right now. I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so between uh, Magical Medical Tour and uh, Trinity of Life, I think we're going to be fighting over you, Nick. <laughs> Nick, uh we always ask uh, our uh, guest for a special healthcare tip, something that you've learned in your own journey uh, and your own wisdom that our uh, global audience can pick up from you. Seems like uh, everything you say comes out as a healthcare tip. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm wondering if you have something that can go in its own special category just for Christina and I, we won't share it with anyone if you don't want us to. That's, that's funny. <laughs> It'll uh, be just a little secret. 
<laughs> but I'll tell you it on air right now. Um, I mean, there are several there are several tips and several things that I've personally found to be of value. Um, you know, for example, I have two things in mind. Um, one thing that I, I love, uh, it's called Abhyanga, and Abhyanga is self-massage. Um, Abhyanga is an Ayurvedic concept. Um, in Ayurveda, it's actually recommended to do this uh, self-massage, an oil massage. It's a full-body oil massage every day before you get in the shower. Um, and so you're basically, it's, it's really, it's, it's quite a beautiful uh, process. It really is kind of an act of self-love. Um, you know, you're anointing yourself with oils on a daily basis. And depending on your body type, you would use a specific kind of oil. Um, and so the, the best oil for all body types, irregardless, is sesame oil. So you buy a refined sesame oil. Uh, you basically are oiling up, not too heavily, but you're leaving a coat of oil on. Um, and then you're, you know, you're, you're leaving that on for about 10 minutes and then you shower. Um, and you don't rub it all off. You don't wash it all off. You leave a small coat of oil on the outside of your skin. Um, and it just stays with you during the course of a day. Um, and we find that uh, what what that is doing is actually it's lubricating all of your organs. Um, you know, if we find that people, they don't need to use lotion anymore once they start doing this. Um, and it really helps to promote OGIS. Um, and OGIS is another Ayurvedic kind of foreign concept um, that I would love to talk about at great length. But OGIS is um, that glow that people have. Um, and I, I call it the juiciness. And so my goal from an Ayurvedic perspective is always to promote juiciness in my patients. So the analogy being people start out as these plump grapes and during the course of their life, they slowly dry out and they turn into raisins. <laughs> and that's when you actually get into all these health problems. And so the goal of Ayurveda is to reverse that. It's, it's to increase the amount of ojas, the amount of juiciness that's in your body. And so one way of doing that is to do this daily self-massage. Um, and so sesame oil is a very way to, uh, easy way to go. You can use olive oil. You can use coconut oil. Um, I prefer coconut oil because I love the smell of it. Um, but there's so many health benefits for that. And I could go on and on and on and on about that. But uh, Abhyanga self-massage is one of my favorite things. And contrast hydrotherapy, so ending your showers on cold water. Um, it's an old um, German nat nature cure concept where you basically are doing this contrast. So you're doing hot followed by cold therapy. And what that's doing, it's actually stimulating your vis, meaning that healing power inside of you. Um, it boosts your immune system. It tones your muscles. Um, it increases circulation. So people that have cold hands and cold feet will actually exude warmth when, they're, when they get out of the shower. Um, it gives you that sense of vitality. Um, and it's, it's just a really good way to wake up in the day. And so end your showers on cold. And all you need to do is maybe 30 seconds of cold. Um, just let it touch your thyroid gland and then usually your lower back where your kidneys are. Um, it's a good way to really kind of just stimulate your internal chi or prana. Yeah. Oh, this is I don't know great. if I could do that. Uh, well, uh, well, because I shower in the evenings, I would, I would find it hard. I, in the mornings, uh, that's not a problem. I, I like that cold rush. Um, but at night, right before I go to bed, wow. 
Uh, I, I wake up. I like completely, whoa. But what's interesting, um, Nick, is what you said about uh, oiling the body down before the shower. Because I actually have, actually, in our, in our um, uh, shopping cart here at Yoga Hub, we have uh, trifola oil. And it is trifola in, uh, infused into the sesame oil. And I usually end my day after my shower with the self-massage as opposed to before the shower. So if you're to do it before the shower and then you go into the shower, does that mean we don't use any kind of soaps or any other cleaner, like what people would consider soap, right? Like a body soap or, you know, or a glycerin soap or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, just use, a, you know, an, a, a basic, very easy soap. I use Bronner's. Um, again, the intention is not to take off all of the oil. It, you really mm -hmm. want to leave a small coat on, mm -hmm. but you can clean yourself just the same way. Um, the reason that you, you would do it before you get into the shower um, is to allow the heat and the water to really push those oils deep into your body. Mm. Um, and so the thinking in Ayurvedic medicine is that it helps to loosen up the doshas, the vata, pitta, and kapha that you yes. have in your tissues. And so when you do that, it moves it into your intestinal tract. So uh, when you actually have a bowel movement, uh, you actually move those doshas oh. out of your body and it actually helps to detoxify. Hmm. And so part of that is you, you're loosening up those doshas that are lodged into your tissues. And so that's why it's important to make sure that you're driving those into your tissues. A hmm. lot of doctors will say oil up, then do some jumping jacks or do some yoga or something. So you actually create that heat so you can actually move those oils into your wow. body as well. Um, you know, and if it doesn't work for you to do before your shower, you can always just oil up um, after you get up out, out of the shower. Just be conscious that you will stain your towels or your, your clothes. And mm. so make sure that your body has fully absorbed those oils before you go and put clothes on. Mm -hmm. uh, but just, you know, it's going to do either way. It's going to give you benefit when you're oiling up on a day-to-day -day basis or every other day. Just oil up. Um, mm. It really is quite therapeutic and you know as i mentioned before it's an act of self-love which um sounds kind of stupid but when you actually mm -hmm. start doing it, you start to understand the benefit of that it's very therapeutic and i think mm -hmm. that uh most americans lack what i call vitamin t which is touch and so i think that you know uh even self-touch can be very ther therapeutic unto itself i like that vitamin t i like that i go for the vitamin h which is the hug <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> oh this is fantastic okay so i'm going to give that one a try since i have the oils here anyways and it is trifolo oil as well <laughs> trifolo will work yeah you can yeah. infuse any oil into it oh i'm sorry any herb into the oil and it will work right so. right it's it's lovely it's really really lovely and and you know it's it's uh cured so much of the kids that have eczema and, um, you know, that have those issues. It's fantastic. So I will try the massage before and then kind of alternate the days, you know? <laughs> there you go. Let me know how it goes. Yeah. I will. I will for sure. <sighs> so well, I'm uh, grateful to our very special guest, Dr. Nicholas Pitts, our naturopathic uh, physician who can be seen on Magical Medical Tour now and Trinity of Life. Uh, grateful for his sharing of his wisdom and expertise and experience with us. 
And I would like to thank all of my teachers and my healers who have helped me on my journey. I look forward to getting together with Christina and our audience again with another very special guest uh, in another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy. And if anybody has uh, ideas for the shows or specific issues that they want to talk about, please uh, let us know. And uh, we will bring someone on, a specialist in a field, or we will have some conversations about your concerns. So until our next meeting, I want to thank uh, Nicholas and Christina, and I want to wish all of you optimal health. <laughs> Bye, Nick. Thanks. Bye, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Nick, again and again. And I just had a, a message come through to say, wow, those were the best tips. <laughs> <laughs> so kudos. Thank you so much, Nick, for joining us again. And I can't wait to have you back on Trinity. <laughs> And of course, all of you, thank you so much for joining us here. And again, you can join us live every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time, 1.30 Eastern Time for Magical Medical Tour. And of course, on Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time for Trinity of Life. And um, we also invite you to find Glenn Woolman, our Dr. Glenn Woolman, at myyogahub.com forward slash gwoolman or on Twitter, at Glenn Woolman, one word, and of course, through his own site, glennwoolman.com, where you can learn about his metaphor square breath, and also his sleep suite, if you are having issues sleeping in the evening. Believe me, it works. I have not made it through that CD. <laughs> okay, so until next time, we look forward to having you with us. Namaste. Namaste.